Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, our Thanksgivings episode for 2023. Shalom. Shalom Lacha. What are your Thanksgiving plans? Uh, pretty much the same like we do every single year. We go over to the Capons for Thanksgiving Day, and the rest of it is up in the air. Usually do some family stuff. Usually sometimes decorate for Christmas on like Friday and Saturday. So, yeah. That's pretty much about it. Keep keep it low-key and simple. Yep. What about you? Pretty much the same. Yep. Prob- I don't know if I'm going to go back Wednesday or maybe Thursday, but go back to Williamsburg, mm-hmm. do the food stuff with uh, brother and my mom, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe set up Christmas, maybe not. Yep. Who knows? Yeah. But Did I made you- my first pumpkin pie I've ever made. Homemade. Woo! And it was pretty good. I'm impressed. Yeah. Well done. It, it looked pristine did it not taste pristine i was not impressed with the flavor of yeah. the filling i'm not a huge pumpkin pie fan but uh i still i mean it's thanksgiving time so you have to have a pumpkin pumpkin pie so we're gonna make I one i feel like i think sweet potato i think i would like that better but i've never made uh, maybe i'll make a sweet potato pie this week we'll see well this morning i uh is it roasted the pumpkin uh, like a couple of years, three years ago, my neighbor, he's like, you got pumpkins. He's like, you should just bake them up. I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, that's all you're buying in that can. Eat. So yep. we, uh, I, I've started doing that cause my wife always likes having some pumpkin decorations. Mm-hmm. So I commandeer a couple of pumpkins and sacrifice them, to, sacrifice the pie them gods. to the pie gods. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Horrendous. Did you get a deer? I never asked you. No, I have it not. It didn't happen. Okay. Yep. So, well, I mean, my brother got one the first night we were out there. Right. And then I hunted every day for four days. And I, I mean, I could have shot it right. any number of them. Yeah, you were wanting something bigger. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and I'll, I'll probably go out uh, Thursday oh, yeah. or Friday this week. It's When point. does the season end? Archery season goes for quite a while. But huh. uh, the first part of the archery goes through the end of November. Okay. So, nice. anyway, we should get on to... Thanksgiving. I haven't seen you like, you know, we haven't talked. No, because you went to ETS. I know. Which we'll talk about. And yeah, I mean, the last time that we saw each other was here when we were recording before ETS. Exactly. Which is like, what, 10, 10 or more days ago? Uh-huh. But um, do I look the same? I think so. I think you look the same. <laughs> Sights are deceiving. <laughs> Beauty is fleeting. Uh, anyway. So here is what is in this episode. So uh, we're going to do some normal Thanksgivings things that we've done uh, every other year where we, um, we're going to do a little, our, our final meditation in the Word is going to be Thanksgiving related. Uh, we are going to have a moment of Andy's Weekly Wisdom. We're going to reference his most recent blog post, and uh, that should be in our show notes when you're listening to this as well, if you want to read that, if you haven't had the chance. We, I don't think we're going to do any listener feedback, or are we? Well, we had that one on uh, Dan Wirtz's. Were we going to talk about that? Oh, one? yeah, we are. We we are going to go to Dan Wirtz's email. Thank you. I didn't update the um, template. Our template. So, uh, and we're going to do that thing we always do: some books and business, and we'll talk about what we've been doing recently and lately. 
And then the final part of the episode, as mentioned, we'll have a, a final meditation related to Thanksgiving. So that being said, let's uh, go to Andy's Weekly Wisdom. And Andy just recently released a, a blog post titled Peace Near the End of the Road. And uh, if you're not familiar with his blog, it's Thoughts Worth Thinking, or if you want to look it up, andysterns.net. And uh, we will put this link in the in the show notes but uh, just kind of an update on how things have been going for them. And uh, uh, Robin's health is declining. They're very thankful, uh, right on cue, thankful for the time that they've had uh, while they've been in hospice. And uh, I think he highlighted well that uh, they have expectations, but they don't know what the Lord will do. And uh, just a reminder to pray for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has a couple of verses at the very end. Uh, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he references earlier in the post uh, about that peace that they have. And then the other verse is Ecclesiastes 7, 2, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, in the final meditation of God's word. But uh, for Andy's Weekly Wisdom, you can go right to the source, right to the hub. Mm. And uh, Andy, Robin, uh, we are praying for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of our listeners, we just ask you pray for the Stearns family as well. And so uh, moving on from there, we do have Dan Wirtz wrote us. Dan, Dan writes in a lot of times. We've got a lot of emails from Daniel, which is great. This one, Tim is of particular interest to you. Do you know why? I think it was about my book. It is. So this is something, by the way, all of you listeners, that you can do if you read a book and you'd like to submit something to us as like a your own books and business. Uh, we're doing, I think, a much better job now of actually checking and replying to and reading our emails. And so we will highlight things on the podcast. And so he wrote a review of... Israel's eschatological enemy, the identity of the king of Babylon in Isaiah 14, 4 through 21, written by Dr. Timothy Allen Little. And here's what he said. And I'll, I'll read it, and then you can just you can I, comment on it. I haven't read it yet. I just saw, I saw the so title. Here's, here's Dan's thoughts. <clears throat> As I sat in the hospital awaiting the birth of our fourth child, Garrett Roger Wirtz, congratulations, Daniel. Uh, my first parentheses, and probably only son, <laughs> I brought some light reading with me. Of course, this book is not light reading, in quotes, but, I, but while I waited for his arrival, I dug into this book and I found it incredibly fascinating. For such technical writing, I find that it is very clear and accessible for anyone with an interest in the topic of study. Dr. Little has taken a very complex interpretation issue dealing with genres, text structure, historic interpretations, Hebrew grammar, poetic figures of speech, and their points of comparison, and many other aspects of the text, and helps the reader think clearly about their implications and his conclusions. He treats each of you fairly with many citations, allowing the reader to track down each source, which, as we've highlighted in the last month or so, <laughs> people who don't do that are barbarians. <clears throat> anyway, his conclusion about the eschatological interpretation of Isaiah 13 and 14 as a whole and the identity of the king of Babylon 
as future ruling as a future ruling tyrant who will come to be annihilated by the Lord himself is very compelling. Dr. Little's exegesis interpretation and application is incredibly compelling. Thanks for publishing this study. Uh, let me read the last. I'll stick with your rating already on your website for this book on the Christmas reads list, which was a nine. <laughs> it's like way high. But. Yeah. Well, you know, we have some personal bias. P.S. I think you missed the opportunity to use Don't Be Like This Guy as the title of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, also a highlight there, we, we try to chronicle in some sense the books that we've rated on the podcast. You can go on our website, thinklingspodcast.com, and you can find some of those lists or go back and listen to some of those episodes. Uh, but we have previously recommended uh, Dr. Little's book as a nine there. What are your thoughts, Tim? <laughs> That was a, a really nice review, actually. I might say, hey, you might want to, if you could take that review and just go post that on Amazon, that'd be great and uh, and uh, help me out. But um, yeah, that was really kind. He had some really kind things to say. A nine is a book that you read multiple times, isn't it? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So it's a little <laughs> bit high for a rating. We probably should like, it's a, it's a niche book. If you're working through Isaiah 13 and 14, the exegesis is going to preach through that section. I think it'd be really helpful for you. Um, but the application of, like if you were preaching it, how would you apply Isaiah 14, 4 through 21? And Dan hits the nail right on the head. Don't be like this guy. This guy's really bad. He's arrogant and he's wicked. And he serves as a role model to any ruler or person that has um, authority over others. Uh, how to rule well or how to rule poorly in his yeah. case. So. Uh, as a reference, you can go to our website, thinklingspodcast.com, and there, uh, there's a page, Thinklings Goodness Scale, and we have a 1 through 10, and we explain what we mean. So any number above an 8, 8 or above, we recommend you might read it more than once. And so I actually kind of agree, and here's why. When it comes to a good commentary on a text of Scripture, you're going to read it the first time, and you're going to think through what they're saying. And then, like, 10 years down the road, you're going to be like, wait, didn't I read something about this once? And you're going to go back to that thing on your shelf, and uh, it's going to be helpful again. Um, if you're preaching through Isaiah, or if you're going to that topic specifically, which that passage does get referenced in eschatological discussions yeah. pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, it's a helpful reference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Dan, for writing in. And all listeners, if you read a book... Even if it's not uh, written by one of us, you can give a review and send it in and we'll maybe discuss it on the show. So then that leads to our own books and business. Books and business. Let's talk about some books. Uh, you, you're going to talk about ETS. Yeah. You, yeah I I'll go quickly first and then we'll let you okay. talk about it. Because mine, mine's super easy. Pretty much all I've been reading and working on is class prep for the spring. And so a lot of Christian experience things uh, for that online class that I'm working on and then kind of just brushing up on the textbooks that I'm assigning in the other classes. I am in search of a good church administration book that I think that balances administration and ministry well. Because so my sense is that most of the, when you get into that management administration realm, it can be very secular ideas and they just kind of baptize it, slap some Christian titles on things. And it's like, well, this is exactly how you'd run the fortune 500 company and it'll work for your church too. And, uh, 
I don't like that. And so, uh, that's really, I'm, I'm in the, I'm searching for a good church admin book, uh, that doesn't undermine my philosophy of ministry <laughs> while the students read it. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's just kind of the standard, standard things there. But, uh, yeah. So what happened at ETS, Tim? I'll talk about some of the books first, and then I'll talk about ETS. Uh, books I've been going through, uh, one is The Bible Versus Biblical Womanhood by Philip Payne. Uh, this book just released this year. I've been, I, so I, I've, I've studied a lot of uh, egalitarianism, complementarianism, the relationships between the genders. The theme at ETS this year was anthropology, so the study of man. So it connects to this idea of what is biblical manhood, what is biblical womanhood. So Philip Payne's book, The Bible Versus Biblical Womanhood, he is an egalitarian, so that's not my position. I am a complementarian, but I haven't, I haven't read or studied many egalitarians, so I was kind of like, what? What, how do they think through 1 Corinthians 14 or you know this text or that text? So I've been reading through that one. I'm going to save uh, detailed reviews for future episodes. So I'm just going to smatter through a whole pile of stuff right now. Uh, the other book on that theme is uh, Discovering Biblical Equality uh, by Pierce, Westfall, and McKirkland. This has multiple authors. And uh, this is published by IVP. The other one was published by Zondervan. IVP at ETS had a big display, books by women authors. And that kind of just gives you an idea of where uh, the presses are going right now. The major evangelical presses are going right now. They've really bought into this critical uh, theory and are, are really seeking to actually have more books by female authors. In fact, one... Um, uh, a good female scholar, uh, she has basically she could write however many com commentaries she wants. Everybody wants her to write commentaries or whatever else because she is a woman. woman. That's who what is it's that? about. I can't remember who the what her name was, but any kind of a woman that has any kind of uh, degree or whatever, that it's like open field for them to uh, publish books with any of the major presses right now. So I'll let you just think about that. Um, as far as uh, the other books that I kind of interacted with, I bought uh, The Book of Ruth by Peter Lau. It's a new commentary in the NICOT, uh, which is a series that I, I keep, I, I buy them all when they come out. Then The Books of Joel, Obadiah, and Jonah by James Nagalski. I haven't interacted with that one yet, but Peter Lau's on Ruth. Uh, I looked at it a little bit and I was pleased. So I think that one's going to be a good one. Uh, then John Golden Gay has a new commentary on Proverbs, um, which I know Golden Gay, so I like reading him. You might not like him, but anyway, there's that one. The Rise and Fall of Dispensationalism. That's uh, another title that connects, obviously, to dispensationalism. And as a dispensationalist, it's like, hey, what are these guys going to say? So that's one I want to get through and interact with further on the podcast. Uh, Michael Shepard has a, a new commentary, the commentary on Jeremiah. And um, so those were some of the ones that I picked up. There are some other new titles out there that I want to interact with. Uh, Cult Citizens and Exiles by Scott Annual. Um, I started that one. And then uh, Why Sally Can't Preach by uh, Jacob Tanner. Uh, so that's another topic, a uh, book on egalitarianism, complementarianism. And Jacob Tanner is a complementarian. Uh, that's a small book. I'm not too impressed with the argumentation and stuff. It's kind of just a quick little type of a book. But Annual Citizens and Exiles, I've interacted with the introduction. It looks really good. Did you have a thought? I was just going to say Scott Annual. 
friend oh, of the podcast. There's that. Where he, he emphasizes Christian faithfulness rather than this idea that we're going to usher or build a kingdom here on earth right yeah. now. Yeah. He interacts with Doug Wilson and then also more of like the David French cultural Christianity crowd. Uh, but he he's basically interacting with two different contemporary positions on Christianity's relationship to culture. And I think Annual's right, and these other guys are a little off. Very good. So at ETS, we can attend a whole pile of sessions. Uh, the first session I attended was uh, ChatGPT and AI, not to be confused with a city that <laughs> Joshua destroyed. That was funny. Anyway, uh, Nimit kind of talked about how ChatGPT and AI is revolutionizing, re revolutionizing, is changing the... Uh, the marketplace. Uh, he sees it as like the third wave of technological change. So as you think through, you know, the creation of the computer and then the, the internet, you know, he would put the creation of AI on that same level. Cause if you learn how to use this stuff, you can complete more tasks faster. Um, so that was kind of fascinating for me to think through. And I've been trying to use AI a little bit more. Even in just using AI to create pictures, he illustrated that through his presentation, how a lot of times we need a picture or something for some kind of visual, and it's hard to find a picture. Well, AI can just draw you a picture. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was one of the sessions that I attended. I attended, I'm not going to talk about every uh, session I attended. I'm just going to highlight a few. Uh, one was on First, First Kings 15, 16 through 22 which of course everybody's like, I don't know what's in that text. Well, there's a war between Asa and Baasha. So these two kings, Judah and Israel, and it's about this um, one location. Uh, Baasha is fortifying um, Ramah, and Asa goes and sends a whole bunch of cash to the king of, Assyri king of Syria to attack uh, Baasha. So then he, um, he can go and... Um, uh, what take Rama essentially? Okay, and the prophets rebuke Asa for this. Um, but uh, what the session was on was the central Benjamin plateau in the region of Rama, Gibeah, and um, a couple of other cities that are there, and how that was such an important region for the security of Jerusalem. It was actually really interesting. I found it fascinating. Uh, the elevation, there's a lower elevation there. So it was the crossroads for Jerusalem to go to the sea, like to the Mediterranean Sea, to the north, and as a very pivotal location geographically in, um, in Israel. So mm. the central Benjamin Plateau. So that gives you a little bit of an idea of what sessions on EDTS are about. Uh, the session kind of provides a lot of light on First Kings 15, 16 through 22. Another se session I went to was on the structure of the first book of the Psalter. So that's Psalms 1 through 41. And um, that session wasn't as good. <laughs> uh, I, this is a topic that interests me, so that's why I atten attended it. But uh, one of the one of the guys organizing the session, his name's David Firth. He's written a lot of books. I have several of his books. Um, kind of at the end of the session, he's like, well, what do you think about this structure that's pretty commonly agreed upon? And the presenter, you know, didn't have a whole lot to 
uh, say to it. So anyway, this is something that interests me and I need to study more. But um, the section, the structure of the Psalter, I was aware of the, like the Achaism has been articulated in Psalms 15 through 24. Um, but Firth said Psalms 3 to 14, 15 to 24, 25 to 37, and 38 to 41. I know I just rattled off a whole bunch of stuff, but that'd be something for you, listener, if you wanted to be like, huh, I wonder if there's some similarities between these Psalms. Well, there is. And uh, I, I, I want to kind of study through that some more. So I'm going to just talk about one more of the sessions that I went to, and then uh, that's going to be it for today. I might bring this up again in the future. But in First Chronicles 21, you have this reference to Satan. And I was familiar with this. This is the only uh, reference to Satan in the Old Testament. First Chronicles 21.1 states, Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. And the presenter basically said, this Satan is not a spiritual person or a spirit, spirit being. It's actually a real person. And he argued that the text should be translated, now an adversary stood up against Israel Hmm. and moved David to number Israel. So in other words, this individual is like one of David's counselors and gave him poor advice. Uh, And so um, he discussed kind of the synoptic problem of the Old Testament, the relationship between chronicles and kings. Uh, The word Satan in Hebrew is Satan. And in 1 Kings 11, um, God allows uh, Satan's okay adversaries to uh, bother Solomon because Solomon turned his heart away from the Lord, and and so what does God do? He brings up these adversaries against him. Jeroboam being one, mm. uh, obviously the Satan in First Kings eleven is a person uh, because Jeroboam is a person; it's not a spiritual being. And so that that was one of the guy's texts that he uh, through which he argued that First Chronicles twenty one refers to a person. And I want to just correct something that I just misspoke on. I said that there's no Satan in the Old Testament. There is. It's in like Job and then Zechariah three. You do have Hasatan, the adversary, and it has the definite article on it. So <coughs> that would be Satan, like the arch enemy of the Christian faith. But um, uh, First Chronicles 21, it doesn't have the article. It's just Satan. It's not the Satan. It's just Satan. So I always thought that that was a reference to Satan himself. And this guy made a pretty strong and decent argument against that. There are a lot of other sessions I could talk about, but that gives you a little snapshot of what ETS is about. We sit in sessions all day for three days, about usually a day and a half or two days total, and um, listen to various articles being presented and present articles of our own. Yeah. I That second one you mentioned is, I, I think, something I've wanted to look into as well, the ordering of the Psalms. And, yeah. You know, we, we sometimes forget that Psalms are compiled probably by Ezra. Probably. It's post-exilic. Uh-huh. And so when, an, when a psalm says, you know, a psalm of David, well, yeah, he wrote that. And then you have traditions of like, well, how did they get put together? And like, probably the, the most solid of tradition is on that first book. But then once you get beyond 41, you know, and you think through the, the overall structure, like what was Ezra trying to do? Right. And there are, I think, very distinct thematic 
shifts throughout the Psalms. Yes. Um, and I think, I think it is the, I think the structuring, I would go all, all the Psalms is a structure of reminding Israel of God's faithfulness, both to give them a kingdom and then give them a king. And then when that king died and they rebelled and were taken into exile, guess what? God is still sovereign and he's still your ruler. And then you get to the very end where, you know, end of the Psalms, end of the exile, where there's praise that's going to come back for the kingdom. And, uh, but really the only one that I've thought has done a great job of walking through that was Alan Ross and his commentaries. Yeah. He's the one that mentioned the chiasm between, what did I say? 14 or 15 and 24 or something like that. Anyway. Was he there? No. Well, maybe he was, I didn't see him. So, but there's, I mean, this is an event where, where the evangelical authors are there and I was able to meet a couple of them. Uh, I talked to Ed Glennie, who's a professor at Northwestern, and he is teaching through, I don't know, some freshman or sophomore level class, and he teaches Proverbs and Song of Songs. I'm like, that's really weird. And he's like, well, you got Proverbs, which is written to young men, and then you have Song of Songs, which is written to young women. And I'm like, you're a kindred spirit, friend. And I like uh, it. we had a fun conversation. And so anyway, I'm going to send him a copy of my book. I told him I'd do that. Very good. Yeah, that's exciting. I I think I would really enjoy ETS, but I don't think I would enjoy being able to get to ETS. So <laughs> maybe someday. Uh, all right, are we are we ready to end the podcast? I think it's time for our main content. Main content slash final meditation in God's word. Yeah, I think I will say this. We say this every year around our Thanksgiving episode, or at least our very first Thanksgiving episode was that was like the first time we ever interacted with listeners. We went through like all of our emails in yeah, season one. That's right. It's like blitz. It was like a two hour episode. Yeah. And the way we justified it was like, well, all these college students are driving home from college. They've got plenty of time to listen to this. And uh, we've maybe shifted our gears over the years with that. But we do want to reiterate that we are very thankful to all of you who listen to the podcast. And even just uh, a few evenings ago at church, uh, having a, a family in our church, getting to talk with them about them listening to the podcast and um, you know, it's, it's one of those funny things where we're not physically spending time with you, the listener, Mm -hmm. but we, we are spending time with you and you're spending time with us. And in in a real sense, you're getting to know us really well. And uh, just thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you for emailing us. And uh, you know, we don't really have any benefit of this podcast other than the time we get to spend with each other and the, hopefully the ministry we get to have, the influence we get to have into your life. So there's like, you know, we're not, we're not cashing checks off of this podcast. We're not, you know, uh, making names for ourselves. It's just a, a fun ministry ministry. And what I was sharing with, uh, the people at church is just, it really pushes me to read, to read and to think mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, undoubtedly without the podcast, I would have read less. So, Hmm. um, but anyway, we're thankful for you. And on the idea of thankfulness, we're just going to look at a couple of passages and going to connect the the dots there. And if anyone from my church is listening, these are going to sound really familiar to you because this is what I shared on Sunday as well. But these are the two passages. So Psalm 103 one through five, and then we're going to read Matthew seven. I think it's um, seven through 11, maybe something like that. So here's Psalm 103, one through five. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And obviously, a very popular psalm listing the benefits of God, what he's done for us. And uh, what I want you to notice there, if you're reading it or you're thinking about it, those phrases that's repeated, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems, those are substantive participles. And I like, I actually, when I read through it, I like to say it this way, the one who forgives, the one who heals. It makes it more emphatic. Yes. And uh, which is, is grammatically correct. And uh, so he's the one who gives us all these things. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, many reasons to be thankful, but the one I, I want to focus on is that uh, last one in that list. The one who satisfies you with good. And you go back to the verse that Andy uh, referenced in his article, his blog post. It is better to go to the house of mourning. Well, just literally, it's this is good. That's what Ecclesiastes 7 is just a list of things that are good. And it's good to mourn. It's good uh, to, you know, I don't, I don't have the list in front of me. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but it's good to be wise. It's not, it's good to not be a fool. You know, we could probably throw that in there. So there's a lot of good things. And the one who satisfies us with those good things, very similar to Ecclesiastes, the one who enables us to enjoy what he's given is the Lord. He's the one who gives us all these things who allows us to eat and drink and be merry, the goodness comes from him. The satisfaction comes from him. And uh, actually look at verse five and there's this last phrase, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. There's this renewal. And we could talk about like what that is. He doesn't like literally make us younger, but I think there is a joy, uh, a rejuvenation of our spirit when we recognize the hand of blessing that the Lord is. Just, we'll we'll stop there. But he's the one who satisfies. How does he do it? He gives us what is good. Hmm. And when we realize that it's him who gives us that good, it renews us. And then from there, we jump over to Matthew 7. And a very similar idea here that's going to come out in the text. This is Matthew 7 verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so uh, kind of a random assortment of verses here, but the connection in my mind is here's the Lord in Psalm 103 satisfying with good. And then here's a point being made by Jesus that we give good gifts to each other and we're evil. 
So what would you expect of the perfect, righteous, sovereign, heavenly father that he would give good things to? Mm. And he does. However, we sometimes don't register that what his good and perfect plan for us is, uh, that that plan is what's good. We have a different perspective. And, uh, you know, obviously sometimes we have trials that come into our lives and we don't think that they're good, but they are. And there's sometimes things that the Lord blesses us with that uh, we would maybe want later or not at this time or maybe in a different way. But the, but the Lord knows when we need it and what we need. And when we can uh, ask the Lord and get his perspective, uh, when we can see things the way he sees things, which would be wisdom, we recognize that he allows perfectly the trials, the blessings, and everything in between, and it's good. And if we can be content with that, we can accept things from his hand when he gives them. We can be content. He satisfies us uh, with really good things. And uh, as Andy reminded us of in his post, some of those good things include death. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not the avoidance of difficulty that gives us what's good. God includes uh, difficulty as a part of what is good for us. And so... As we take a, a holiday to be thankful, you can do what I've done. I tried to make a list of the good things that God has given me. And here was my short list. My short list was I have a good family. I have good friends. I have a good job. I have a good church. That was, and there's a lot of other things, but that was my short list. And if you start thinking about the good things that you have, just ask this. Where did they come from? Hmm. I had no stake in who my family was. That's the sovereignty of God who gave me my family. Mm -hmm. I had no stake in the job that I currently have. God just dropped it in my lap. Mm -hmm. The friends that I have, the church that I have, God opened those doors, and I've been incredibly blessed with them. And if you meditate on the good things in your life, you'll recognize that those were from the hand of the Lord as well. Mm -hmm. And when you see who gave them to you and that he intended for you to have what you have right now, no more, no less, you can be content with what he's offered you and that does satisfy the soul to trust the Lord with everything in our lives. And so be thankful that God has given you uh, everything that he wants you to have and that you can trust him, you can love him, and be satisfied in him. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast. The Thinklings want to remind our listeners that the Thinklings Podcast is our personal production. Our conversations, book discussions, and viewpoints may not represent the views of Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary. Any questions or feedback should be directed to us at the Thinklings Podcast.